Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex, and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons, Dr. Richard Bloom and Dr. Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery, and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to. Moist and not coming in saying, I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson. And so it can be quite life-changing for them. And um, we see improvements in their self-esteem, their confidence. If someone's had good work done, then no, I don't, I don't believe it is obvious. If you're having a breast augmentation, you know, you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma. The aim of a tummy tuck is pretty clear, but getting rid of that bulge and tightening up the muscles is a very complex procedure. So in this episode, Richard and Kim are going to take us through the surgery, what's involved and what are the complications that you might encounter. So thank you for joining us again, Richard and Kim, on our journey in the tummy tuck. Hi, Alex. Hi. So the surgery, that's what today is all about. Richard, walk us through it. How does how does it start? Well, like any other operation, it starts with going off to sleep. So it's a general anaesthetic. Um, once you're asleep, we, we fill all the operating area up with local anaesthetic. Um, and that also contains adrenaline. So that decreases the amount of bleeding that we see and also means when you wake up, it's relatively comfortable. Once, once all of that's done and we're ready to start the operation, we make the incisions into the skin and cut the skin off the tummy wall. And then once the skin is removed, you've then just got sort of an uh, an ellipse uh, where there's no skin and we can see the tummy wall. And then the, the skin above that, which is the skin usually above the belly button, we then lift that up off the tummy wall all the way up to the rib cage. And then, then we can see the muscle wall and then we can do that repair. Um, the, the other aspect of it is the belly button. So generally before we cut the skin out, we cut around the belly button so that, that stays attached to the muscle wall. And then after the muscle repair and the skin has all been lifted, we then pull the skin all the way down. And usually at that point, the anaesthetist will bend the bed so that the patient flexes at the hip so that um, so you can take out as mu- the, the most amount of skin and also so there's no tension on the skin when you're trying to suture it. Um, so then you pull the, the skin down and, and stitch it so there's just one incision then we make an opening where the belly button should be and pull the old, This a lot of people get this confused, that we generally will pull the old belly button out through a new opening and so make, we're not making a new belly button, it's your old belly button. That's what I was going to ask. It sounds like you're just recreating the belly button. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's your own belly button but coming out through um, a new opening. It's actually funny when you look at before and after photos and people can actually see that their belly button is now sitting between you know, some moles that were previously much higher up on their abdominal wall. Mm. Um, And then we close the deep layers of the skin. Generally, we'll use drain tubes to take away extra fluid and then some sutures through the skin and and carefully align that. And then if there's liposuction that's needed, which is in a, a reasonable number of cases, we'll often do that before the skin incisions. But then sometimes even at the end, if there's a bit of a contour area that you notice that needs to be touched up, then we'll do a little bit of liposuction at the end. Then all the usual things, we put the dressings on, patient goes onto a bed and there's pillows under their knees so that they stay bent at the hips and often the bed they go into is actually, we can also bend that. So they, when they're sitting in 
in yeah when they wake up in recovery they're sort of bent at at the hip so there's no no tension on the skin so it sounds like the the name tummy tuck is a little bit misleading it makes it sound like you're literally just folding something over and sewing it but it's much more in depth than that yeah a little bit more a little bit more to it than just that yeah. are there different techniques or is it generally the same most of the time the operation is exactly as Richard has described it and the the variable is the amount of skin that you remove, whether patients have had previous scars that you can um, sometimes incorporate or remove as part of it and whether someone needs any areas of liposuction as well. The biggest difference would be whether this is the suitable operation for them versus having a body lift or being even further extended from a tummy tuck where it would not necessarily go all the way around, but maybe three quarters of the way around, which um, is pretty rare that that would be the case. But um, essentially that's what's involved every, every time that we would be doing this operation. Now, Richard, right at the beginning I asked you, you know, how is it done? How does it begin? And you say by putting people to sleep. Um, can it be done while people are awake? Not in our hands, Alex. I think that'd be an unusual way to do it um, that because you can't anaesthetise the deeper tissues and the amount of local anaesthetic that you would need, even if you're not repairing the muscle, the amount of local anaesthetic you'd need just to anaesthetise the skin so the patient wasn't having discomfort during the procedure would probably be a lethal dose of local anaesthetic. And some cases in Australia where pati- patients are not being done in hospitals and not being done with anaesthetic, that's where they get into trouble because they have to use such high doses of local anaesthetic. Um, and in addition, they're usually given a sedative, so they're not breathing as much as they should be. And so the carbon dioxide levels raise, rise in their blood, which then actually increases the toxicity of local anaesthetic. So general anaesthetic, usually two or three hours. Um, and if, if a patient's not fit from a medical point of view to have a general anaesthetic, then they're generally not fit to have this operation um, for whatever reason. Um, The risks would then be too high in terms of the duration of the surgery and um, their recovery. So we medically screen all of our patients when we do their initial consult and discuss all that with them to avoid that as being a requirement. Mm. And I assume most people, you know, it's not like a caesarean, you don't want to be awake while it's happening to you is my guess. Absolutely. <laughs> we just then we touched on some of the the seriousness of this operation and does it have a higher complication rate than other surgeries that you guys would carry out? I wouldn't say a higher rate of complications. Most of the procedures that we perform have a very, very low rate of complications and Part of that is to do with patient screening and making sure that we are operating on someone that's fit and healthy. If they do have uh, medical conditions, for example, high blood pressure or even very occasionally a patient that has diabetes, then those conditions need to be well managed and well under control. Um, We absolutely don't do this procedure in someone that's smoking. And then the surgery itself is very precise. We don't leave things to chance. It's all done under direct vision, direct view, as Richard described, the procedure where all the skin is lifted up and we see the blood vessels, we stop them bleeding as we go. Yes, it it is surgery and 
um, complications can occur, but they're very rare. Um, and that's why we perform the surgery in the safest places, which is in a proper operating room in an accredited hospital. And the anaesthetists are the ones that are there monitoring the patients whilst our sole focus is doing the surgery. It's procedures that we've done many, many times. And they're also in hospitals where pa- the, the nursing staff knows what to look out for afterwards. So um, in terms of potential things that can go wrong, in the short term would be bleeding. We, we spend a lot of time during the surgery controlling bleeding, making sure that it is stopped as much as possible. Fluid collection, that's why drains are left in and occasionally patients have to go home from hospital with a drain tube in. And really it's a nuisance rather than a complication. It stops extra fluid from collecting underneath their skin um, whilst they're at home. Um, Occasionally that still does happen and they have to come into the rooms and have that fluid drained off. And initially patients are a little bit nervous about having that done, but generally it's completely pain-free and they feel significantly better after that's been drained off. And then the scar itself is quite long. There's lots and lots of dissolving stitches underneath, so occasionally those those stitches can um, poke out before they dissolve. Again, more of a nuisance than a significant um, complication. All patients get antibiotics when they have their surgery and they generally go home with that as well, so wound infection is extremely uncommon. Great. And so how long does it actually take, the surgery itself? I think two to three hours would cover 90% of the cases it'd be rare for it there's quite a bit of suturing so it'd be rare for it to be under two hours and uh if if uh, some some women have more skin that needs to be removed it might be get up to three hours but that, that'd be a fair range so kim in terms of cost how expensive is it and is it more expensive than let's say a liposuction operation so our prices are all on our website. There's um, transparency completely there. And in terms of a tummy tuck, the figure covers two nights in a hospital. It covers the anaesthetist fee, our surgical fee, a garment that we arrange that they will be placed in whilst they're still asleep. And it covers all their post-op care, including laser and treatments to their scars and all the scar management. Now, the the figure that we quote is the maximum fee um, that includes all of that. And there are a few indications where Medicare and or insurance will cover patients to have the surgery. Unfortunately, at the moment, around two years ago, the government removed the cover for this to be available for women that have had their muscles and their tummies ruined following pregnancy. So the only indication, the only coverage that people can get for this is if they've lost a significant amount of weight. And the definition in the Medicare handbook for significant amount of weight is a drop of five BMI points. Their weight needs to be stable for at least six months having lost that weight. And the excess skin needs to be causing them issues in terms of rashes, difficulty with daily life, pain in that area, difficulty getting clothes, um, those sort of things. And further answer to your actual question is that, yes, it is. It certainly is more expensive than a liposuction. And uh, because when we're performing liposuction as a standalone procedure, it would generally only be for a small area and so that then is usually probably only around about an hour is worth of um, surgery and theatre time um, whilst this takes uh, as Richard said up to three hours and is extensively more surgery that's involved. Yeah I just want to elaborate on the unfairness of the 
Medicare item number. It's the only item number or one of the very few item numbers where the cause of the problem comes into whether you're eligible for the problem. So if you've got arthritis of your knee, it doesn't matter how you got arthritis of your knee and you need to have a knee replacement, then you're covered. So in this situation, if you have been overweight previously and you've done the right thing and you've lost weight and maybe you had a had bariatric surgery or you may have had other medical comorbidities which cost the Medicare system money, if you've then lost weight, as Kim just said, then you qualify. If you have had children, been fit and healthy your entire life, but you've been left exactly the same way that someone who's lost weight, so your muscles, as Kim said, have been separated, you've got loose skin, you've got all, all of these symptoms, you then you don't qualify. Mm. Um, and the unfairness of it is really brought out maybe in smokers. If you're a smoker, you've got private health insurance and you get a, a lung condition, you're completely covered. Mm. If you drink and drive, you're covered by TAC. So the whole thing is nonsensical. Well, that's really unfortunate for a lot of mums, but I guess there is other ways, is there, that, that we can access, well, sorry, that we can make it more accessible for, for women to have this kind of surgery? So uh, again, on our website, we've got information regarding um, ways that payments can be made. And another approach that a lot of patients have been using more recently is compassionate access for the early release of their super. So the indication for that is acute or chronic pain. So if patients believe that they're suffering from pain, from the issues that they have from their excess skin, um, their back pain, difficulties with being able to perform sport that causes pain for them, then absolutely we can help out in terms of filling out that paperwork for them. The paperwork needs to be filled out both by their general practitioner and uh, also by a specialist, um, which we're more than happy to, in appropriate circumstances, um, do for them. Great. I think for our listeners, we'll just point out that we keep sending people to the website because, of course, things are always changing in terms of costs and and things and mechanisms that they can use to afford this. So head to replasticsurgery.com.au to learn more. But just in terms of wrapping up, what are the success rates of this surgery, Richard? 100% Alex. Wow. In the right patients. (laughs) So if you operate on the right patient, it's a great operation with very, very high satisfaction rates. And the reason for that is that it's a very, the results are very reproducible and they're very easy to explain to a patient. So you can show a patient, they can grab the excess skin and you can explain to them Um, that's the skin that we're going to remove, which is different to a lot of other surgeries, say facial surgery, nose surgery. It's much more difficult for patients to understand what it might look like and the results are way more varied in terms of how they end up. Uh, A tummy tuck in the right hands, the results should be very, very consistent and you can look at different body shapes. We've got a, a, a big library of patients, we can look at different body shapes that match your body shape um, to show you what the sort of results are that you can get. So uh, I'm a bit flippant in saying it's 100%, but I think it's true in in the right patient and if you're realistic with the expectations, then it's very rare to have a patient who isn't satisfied with this operation. Great. Fabulous. All right. Well, look, I think that brings us to the end. Thank you very much for joining us this episode, Kim and Richard. Thanks. Thanks, Alex. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow Re on social media. 